Well, good morning, City Light. What's up? How are you guys? Um, like Derek said, my name is Doug, and I love Jesus Christ. When was the last time that you just sat back and you thought about the goodness of Jesus? He was reigning and ruling in heaven, doing his thing and rocking his swag, but then he chose to be born into our messed up world as a baby. He lived a perfect life without any sin. All he did was love and serve people, even to the point of dying for them. And he died for people who hated him, who misunderstood him, who hurt him. And even in his death, he said, forgive those people, forgive us people. And after his death, Jesus pretty much said, okay, I'm done with this. No more playing around. He rose up out of death, walked around for a while, sorry, walked around for a while to show himself to people, giving proof of his resurrection. Then he ascended back to the Father. And Jesus did all of that for you. He did all of that for me. And that is quality. That is character. You know, there's just some people in your lives that just impress you with their level of character and quality and integrity. Jesus, more than anybody else, impresses with his character, right, church? And this morning, we're talking about becoming more like Jesus. You and me in our real lives becoming more like Jesus. So let me ask you a question. Do you like change in your life? Do you like change? There's a myth out there, at least I think it's a myth, that we don't like change. I disagree. I think that deep down, we actually like change. It's not always easy to change, but I think that we actually like change. For example, one change that I know we all like. Just look at this photo, okay? Maybe. Do we have that photo? Oh, we don't have that photo. Oh, man, that's going to really jack with the illustration then. Okay, in your mind, can you picture an old rotary phone, okay? You remember those old things? It'd take you like five minutes to turn that dial just to hook up, uh, call through to your friend and have a conversation. And some of you are like, I can't picture that. I've never seen one of those. Congratulations. Others of you are like, oh, that looked cool in my dorm room. I could go all retro and stuff. No, it wouldn't be cool because it does take five minutes to call your friend. It doesn't have Snapchat or Facebook or anything like that. We actually like change in our lives. And the younger we are, the more we like change. Do you remember all the changes you went through in your youth? Like that one huge change called puberty? Man, like I was so lanky when I went through puberty. I guess I still kind of am. I couldn't put one foot in front of the other. I had hair growing out of all sorts of weird places, acne just bursting on my face like volcanoes. Man, it was not an easy change to make, but I was able to make that change because I was younger. Do you remember all the changes of your youth, like what you ate, how you ate, when you ate, where you slept, where you lived, what jobs you had, friends you had, who you dated or did not date, all these things, so many different changes. I believe that we actually like change. Do you remember when you chased after change in your life, like it was a puppy dog wagging its tail and saying, hey, come along, let's play. Deep down, we like change, especially when we know that change is for the better in our lives. 
Once we get that phone update or app update, once we get that new house or that new job, whatever the change is, once we realize that it's for our better in life, we actually like the change. And this morning, we're going to talk about change. And it's important for us, church, because, hear this, God's goal for your life is to make you more like Jesus. And the way that he makes you more like Jesus is by you changing. So the sooner that we can embrace this process of change, the sooner we get to be an active part of becoming more and more like Jesus, thinking like Jesus, listening like Jesus, seeing people like Jesus, loving and living like Jesus, hearing like Jesus. Here's the deal. God loves you just the way you are. Ifs and buts and warts and ruts and all. God loves you just the way you are, but he refuses to leave you there, right? And all the parents of teenagers said, amen. You know, you love those teenagers. You just want them to change, right? And teenagers with your parents, you can say amen too. You love your parents. You just want them to change. It goes both ways, mom and dad. All right, so let's open our Bibles. If you got your Bibles or scroll in your phones to Ephesians chapter four, and let's look at how God changes us. And I think we're gonna find it's actually pretty simple, maybe as simple as putting on some clothes. We're gonna start in Ephesians four, verse 17 where Paul writes, Now this I say and testify in the Lord, that you must no longer walk as the Gentiles do in the futility of their minds. Let's just pause right there and acknowledge that Paul has changed his tone of voice a little bit. In the first three chapters of Ephesians, Paul is excited. He is giving us news, declarations, celebrations. He's speaking identity over us. We are blessed in Jesus, knowing in Jesus. We are one in Jesus, alive in Jesus. We are diverse and delighted in Jesus. We're growing up in Jesus. But now here in Ephesians 4, Papa Paul has changed his tone a little bit, right? It's kind of like when I shift gears with my kids. Like if my daughters are watching a princess movie and afterwards they are talking about how that princess fell in love with that prince and they're dancing around, maybe for a little while, I'll like dance with them or tell them how beautiful they are, how much I love their twirling. But then after a while, because I'm a protective dad, maybe two, I don't know, but because I'm a protective dad, I might be like, hey, now listen, girls. If you ever go out with a man who doesn't treat you right or he hurts you, then you drop him like a bad habit, you kick him in the shins, and you leave him there for me and your brothers to deal with, right? (laughs) I changed my tone a little bit, even after celebrating with him. So it is with Paul in Ephesians chapter 4, right? He had been celebrating with us, telling us how wonderful life is in Jesus. And then Papa Paul says, really, guys? you got to stop living like those Gentiles. Those days are gone. Something's got to change. The days of acting foolishly, like you don't know what is good for you. The days of living the way you want to live, of hardening your heart to God, of giving him the stiff arm. Those days have got to go. Things have got to change. Callous living like you don't care or you're too cool for school. um, Partying like there are no real consequences. Those days are gone. Things have got to change. You could sum Ephesians 4, verse 17, up like this. Stop doing stupid stuff. Stop being so dumb, okay? Now, that's the Doug translation, but I think if you read it in the original Greek language, you might agree with me, and I don't know about you, but sometimes I need to hear it that way. 
There were a few times in high school when mom and dad sat me down. They said, Doug, you're not going to understand right now, but trust us, what you're doing is stupid and you need to stop before it kills you. I'm like, okay, I need to change. And so Paul tells us you need a change. And then he outlines for us a three-step process of change. This is how we learn Christ, how we get schooled in Christ, how we become more like Jesus. And it's not a complicated process of change. It's actually really simple. It's how any of us, no matter how young or old, rich or poor, smart or not so smart, it's how any of us become more like Jesus. This is the three-step process of change that God has set up for you and me to experience over and over and over again in our lives, each time becoming a little more like Jesus. So step number one is Ephesians 4 verse 22. Where Paul says, put off your old self, which belongs to your former manner of life and is corrupt through deceitful desires. Step number one is put off your old self. Paul says that even after we've become followers of Jesus, there is this old self, this old way of living and thinking and believing that is on us, like an old jacket. It doesn't quite fit right. It's too tight, too constraining. It's too out of style. And he says this old self is corrupted because of deceitful desires. Basically, there's things that we all want in life. Someone to love us, someone for us to love. Significance, acceptance, money, sex, power, these things we all want. And this old self that belongs to our old way of living, it chimes in and tells us how to get what we want. The problem is this old self is deceitful. It is lying to us. It is telling us the wrong ways to get the things that we want. And so what happens is we listen to that old self, but it, we, and we pursue it in the wrong ways, and we're never happy. We're never satisfied. We're always walking around trying to pretend like we're free, but more realistically, we feel like we've got an old jacket on that's too constraining and too tight. Honestly, though, this old self is often all that we have ever known. This old self with its old way of living and thinking, it's how we were taught. It's what we learned. It's just how we have lived. Most of the time, we don't know any better. I still remember late in junior high when my brother, who's about two and a half years older than me, he was way cooler than I was, he came up to me and said, Doug, is there a flood coming? And I was like, bro, what are you even talking about? No, there's a, not a flood coming. That's when he pointed at my jeans that were about five inches too short for me and asked if I got them on 25% off sale since a quarter of the length was missing. He called them high waters. And it was in that moment that suddenly I realized that those old jeans were something I needed to put off. Those old jeans belong to my seventh grade self, not to my eighth grade self. And for most of us, our old self is all that we have ever known. Like my seventh grade jeans or a too tight jacket, it's what we've been wearing and we just don't even realize that something is wrong. Now, I'm not going to make fun of you like my brother made fun of me, but I think that some of us this morning, myself included, we need to flat out hear the words of Ephesians 4.22. Put 
off your old self. Take that off. Remove it. It doesn't belong to you. It doesn't define you. It doesn't um, constrain you anymore. You are a new creation in Christ. You've been given a new identity, a brand new person in Jesus Christ. So stop trying to wear that old jacket. Stop trying to wear those high water jeans. You need to put that off before you take another step in this process of change. Step number one is put off the old self. You got it? Step number one, put off the old self, which leads us to step number two, which is Ephesians 4, verse 23, where Paul writes, be renewed in the spirit of your minds. Now, this step is crucial, and it's one that we often forget. You would think that if step one is dropping your bad habit, then step two is picking up a new habit. If step one is putting off your old self, then step two must be put on your new self. But that's not what Paul tells us. He says that step one is putting off your old self, but step number two is getting some renewal, some freshness, some newness in your inner being, in the spirit of our minds. You can think of this as a fresh injection of youth into your inner being that makes you desire and enjoy the change that you are going through. You remember early on in the sermon where I said that we all actually like change, especially when we are young. The Bible right here in Ephesians 4 is saying that when we're in the process of changing to become more and more like Jesus, we need a fresh injection of youth. We need to be restored to our youth so that we are flexible, eager, excited, and able to make the change that God is calling us into. God knows that we can't really change unless we have the desire to change, so he makes us young again in our inner man. Here's the hard part about this. We can't make this happen, right? Like I can take off an old jacket, but I can't make myself young again. As far as I know, no one has found the fountain of youth yet. Only God can make that happen. Only God can renew the spirit of our minds. It's something that happens to us, yet we're commanded to make sure that it happens. So how do we do that? Let me give you two practical ways. Number one, we pray. We pray, we ask God, oh God, would you give us the desire to change? Would you work inside me to make me young again in my ambition to change and in my ability to change? We pray. And the second thing we do is we read our Bibles. Welcome to church, right? We read our Bibles. For us to know what we need to change into, we need to know our Bibles. For us to know what we're asking God to do, we need to read this book, know this book, listen to this book, and get our in this book. Pull up your phone on your commute, press play, and listen to some Bible. Read it at night with your kids. Put a verse on your home screen and memorize it for a week, right? Write it on the back of your eyelids while you sleep. You do what's necessary to get more of the Bible in you. Through prayer and Bible reading, we set ourselves up to be made young again in our desire to change. We set ourselves up to actually want the change that we know we need. Prayer and Bible reading are kind of like iPhone commercials, right? Like we watch these iPhone commercials and they have these images of the the new, sleek, slender iPhone. 
And when you watch that commercial, it actually makes you want to change from your old, measly, terrible, tiny, two-year-old version of the iPhone and go spend a couple or many hundreds of dollars to get that slightly bigger, slightly skinnier, slightly faster version of the iPhone, right? Those iPhone commercials are renewing the spirit of your mind to where you actually want change. And so it is with prayer and Bible reading when it comes to the Christian. It renews the spirit of our minds to want change, to desire to be more and more like Jesus and less and less like our old selves. And let me just throw this aside in there. I think for many of you, you've been reading the Bible for a long time. Maybe you've been a Christian 20 years or something like that. And reading the Bible may have got boring to you. Let me just encourage you to try this. Don't just read your Bible for education, to learn more things. Read your Bible for transformation. If you will come to that Bible looking for a change you need to make and then go make that change, it might just come alive for you. Only read enough of your Bible to figure out, oh, that needs to change in my life. Then go make that change. After you've made that change, come back to the Bible, find something else that needs to change. And over and over again, you become more like Jesus. And that Bible, boom, it becomes alive to you. Don't just read the Bible for education. Read it for transformation. So step number one is we put off our old selves. Step number two is we ask God to give us fresh desires for change. And I bet by now, step number three is pretty obvious, right? Ephesians 4 verse 24 simply says, put on the new self created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. So take the old clothes off, get a fresh desire for change, and then put the new stuff on. It's as simple as changing clothes. This new self, it says, it's created in the likeness of God. So we will look more and more like God on earth. And who was God on earth? Jesus. So as we put on our new self, we become more like Jesus, thinking like Jesus, living like Jesus, loving like Jesus, giving and forgiving, listening, loving, and serving more and more like Jesus. This is true righteousness. This is true holiness. Now, here's the deal. For this to actually work, you have to actually put the new self on. So, illustration, imagine that I find a new shirt to buy at TJ Maxx, because that's where all the cool kids shop, okay? I find a new shirt to buy at TJ Maxx, it's red and it's got a little bit of blue in it, and I know that my wife loves red with a little bit of blue, especially the blue part, because it kind of brings out my blue eyes, and she likes that. So let's say I buy that shirt, I take it home, I put it on a hanger, and I put it up on the clo- in my closet. Have I put the shirt on yet, church? Come on, interact with me. No. Okay, but wait a second. Let's say the next day I go up to my bedroom and I sit there and I look in my closet and I think about that shirt. I'm like, man, that was a good decision to buy that shirt. It's red. It's got a little bit of blue in it. Whitney really likes the blue and how it brings out my eyes. I study the different materials that the shirt is made of, how many buttons it's got, and maybe how should I iron it or something like that. Now, let me ask, church, church, have I put the shirt on yet? No. Okay. Well, wait a second. What if I start telling my friends about the shirt? I take a photo of it. I send it out to all my friends. I'm texting it far and wide. I'm like, guys, check out this new shirt that I bought. It's red and it's got a little bit of blue in it. My wife loves the blue because it brings out my eyes. Hey friends, what do you guys think about this shirt? Now church, have I put the shirt on yet? No. Okay. Wait a second. Let's say I take that shirt with me to city group. 
and I asked them to pray for me. I'm like, city group, listen, you guys know my struggle with fashion. You see me every week. Here's the deal. I got a new shirt, and it's red, and it's got a little bit of blue in it. And my wife really likes the blue and how it brings out my eyes. So city group, could you guys pray with me? Would you pray that I might put this shirt on? Church, have I put that shirt on yet? No, right? I think you're getting the idea. I've got to stop buying clothes and looking at clothes and studying clothes and praying about clothes. I need to actually put some clothes on, right? Somebody say amen. Amen. And church, listen, I love you this morning. And with all the love in my heart, let me tell some of you, you need to put your clothes on, all right? You don't need to think more about the change you need to make. You don't need to talk more about the change that you need to make. You don't even need to pray more about the change you need to make. You need to put on your big boy pants or your big girl pants and just go make the change. Put off that old self. Ask God and trust him for some fresh desire and then go put on that new self. I know that sounds urgent, and it is urgent. Stop playing around like my toddler who takes forever to get her clothes changed, okay? God loves you, and God loves you right where you are with all of your ifs and buts and your warts and your ruts and you're shopping for clothes and you're talking about clothes and you're thinking about shirts and you're praying about shirts, but God also loves you enough to tell you to actually put the shirt on on. He loves you enough to tell you, hey, those are some high water jeans that are five inches too short for you. Take those off and put the new ones on. God loves you enough to command you and empower you to change, to actually become more like Jesus. It is urgent. It is real. And hear me, this change is for your good. Stop using dial-up internet and get you some Wi-Fi, okay? Stop using that rotary phone that takes five minutes to call your friends and get you a smartphone with speed dial or better yet, just tell Siri and let her do the work for you. Stop trying to fit into your old self and step into your new self. You're going to love it. You're going to love him. In Ephesians chapter four, Paul gives us this three-step process of change. And then right after that, from verse 25 on through the rest of the chapter, he chases us being urgent, saying, get to work. Basically, what Paul is saying is, don't study this process of change. Go work this process of change. Starting in verse 25, he gives these examples to the church. He says, put off lying to each other. Put on speaking the truth. Put off sinful anger that harbors hate. Put on righteous anger that hopes to reconcile. Put off making room for the devil in your life. Put on blocking and locking them out. Put off stealing stuff from people. Put on giving stuff to people. Put off corrupt talk. Put on encouraging talk. Put off ignoring the Holy Spirit of God inside you. Put on letting him work in you. Put off bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor, slander, malice, and put on kindness, tenderheartedness, and forgiveness. In other words, get to work with this three-step process of change. You know what needs to come off. Ask God for a fresh desire to change, and then go put the new self on. City Light, there's really only one question I have left to ask you this morning, and it's not whether you like change or not. It's not whether you think there's something in your life that might need to change. It's not even what you think needs to change. The only question I have left for you is, will you change? Will you change? I'll close with an example. Um, I've been married for a little over 12 years. And for about 11 and a half of those years, my beautiful wife has uh, graciously and gently asked me to exercise. 
Like most wives, she hates the idea of getting old and me dying before her or us getting older and I'm out of shape and I can't play with my kids or my grandkids. So every once in a while, she would just graciously ask me to exercise. So what did I do? I watched professional athletes exercise on TV. I would find friends who work out and I'd go ask, hey, where do you work out? Oh yeah, what do you do when you work out? Every once in a while, I'd hop on Google and uh, do some research on what are different ways to exercise. Whitney went, and she bought a treadmill, and I thought, ah, that's going to work great for her. (laughs) To my shame, for 12 years, I didn't exercise. And then this past Christmas, I nearly crashed and burned. I was sick for a whole month. This church planning thing, it's exhilarating but it is also exhausting. And so I got away for a day to pray and to ask God for some help. What's going on here? When I came home from that day away of prayer, I knew that one of the changes that I needed to make was exercise. So guess what I did? I actually exercised, right? Isn't this crazy? I didn't do more research. I didn't ask my friends to pray for me to exercise. I didn't even ask Whitney, hey, honey, what are some good exercises you'd want me to do? I just dropped down, started doing push-ups and sit-ups and burpees and other things that made me want to pass out. And then I did a little bit more the next day. And by God's grace, I've been working out five days a week since January 1st. Now, I know it took me 12 years to get started. I know it's only been a few months, but hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. It's a change in my life. It's a start going on in my life. And you might be thinking, well, Doug, where in the Bible does Jesus tell us we have to exercise? Great question. It doesn't actually say that, but I knew that in my life, I needed that change, right? First Timothy four talks about godliness of being greater value, but physical training being of some value, right? And then Paul said, man, I'll beat my body so that when I get old, I'm not out of shape and disqualify myself. I'm like, okay, I need to do that. I had friends, family, wise counselors in my life saying, Doug, you got to exercise. So I knew the change that I needed to make was that. And for 12 years, I knew the change I needed to make, but I didn't make the change. And the crazy thing is that for those 12 years, I actually thought that not exercising was awesome. I thought that my laziness was awesome. But the truth is now that God's doing this change in me, man, that was dial up internet, you know? That was high water jeans. That was old self that belonged to my old way of life. And I needed to make a change. And when I made that change, it's made just about every other area of my life better. Marriage, parenting, work, friendships, especially my relationship with God. Like I had a plug in there for 12 years, not listening to what he was saying to me. So friends, I want you to hear, I love you. And because I love you, I'm here to tell you this morning, it's time to change. It is time to change. Only you know what needs to change. God loves you just the way you are, but because he loves you, he refuses to leave you there. May we be a people, oh City Light, may we be a community who embraces this change process for our better so that we can become more and more like Jesus. Amen? Amen.